it's a hockey show for you, the best fans in the AHL. Comets Insider on 94.9 K-Rock. Presented by IBEW Local Union 43, by Hobby Hill Farms, and by Pathfinder Bank. It's time to go top shelf at the 72 Tavern and Grill. It's Rain Man and Scoop. So Jonah Gadjevich scored from Josh Tevis and Carter Banks. Josh Tevis was a goal away from the Gordie Howe hat trick. He also had a fight. You'll hear that in a little bit in the montage of highlights on the Comets' behalf. Of course, they did lose to Syracuse today in an MLK Day matinee 4-2. Reed Boucher picked up his 24. Justin Bailey with a sweet behind-the-back pass. Had one assist. Ole Ulevi, of course, another. That was a power play goal. Well, it's Utica Comets Insider from the 72 Tavern and Grill, serving you sports here on 94.9 K-Rock. My name is Rain Scoop is here. Tom Coyne is with us. We will be joined by uh, uh, the voice of the Comets, who will be a father by 2 o'clock tomorrow, 7.30. You will hear from Joe Roberts. We have Chris Faber from Canucks Army. He's going to join us at 7.15. No player tonight, obviously, on a game day. So we'll get to that. And in our final segment, as always, Comets' Corey Hergott will join us. Cover his 200 straight game for Canucks Army. And the coach, Trent Cull, was coached in his 200th, Tom Coyne. How do you feel about that? Very good. Yeah. Doesn't seem like it, but, man, 200. No, we all run them up. I got my 700th coming up. We forget. That's amazing. Well, keep keep in mind, though, they're home home only, so. Even so, that's impressive. Yeah. That's just Comets, though, right? Uh, No, no. No, it's that's Utica Delta. That's AHL. AHL, American Hockey. Okay. Regular season. If we drew in thanks to that long playoff run, we're over. Can you? Can I ask you a question? Sure. Take us back. Let's wax nostalgic for a wow, second. Wow, wax. Let's go. Get the pledge out. Way back yeah. to before the Utica Devils ever took the ice at the Utica Memorial Auditorium at that given time. And they need a public address announcer. How does Tom Coyne get that job? I've oh. always wanted to know. Well, you'll, you'll appreciate it because... Um, at the time, uh, I was at another radio station. Can mm-hmm. I I'll say it? Sure. WIBX. Mm-hmm. And um, we, were, we were the voice uh, of, just as K-Rock is with the Comets, we were uh, with, the, with the Devils. Um, and uh, Jim Jackson was doing play-by-play. And now with Philadelphia. Now with the Flyers and, and the Phillies. And... Um, it was part of our agreement that the PA announcer would be at the, at the discretion of the station. So they said, you want to do it? Hey, shame. Why not? Good seats. Whew, great seats. So uh, that's how I ended up doing it. What I did not know is that in the American Hockey League, the public address announcer is an actual off-ice official. Mm-hmm. It is uh, at the discretion of the league. The, the team submits their suggestion. The league has to approve it, and you go by the whole nine yards. The very first game that I ever did in the American League was an exhibition game at the New Hartford Rec Center. It was the Rochester Americans and the Utica Devils. I was at that game. And yeah. the, the referee for the night was Paul Stewart. Uh-huh. And so I did my first announcement, and I read it right out of the book. I said, uh, okay, if they're this serious, I'm going to go right by the book. So first game, I do it, and... Stewart actually, and, and the, for those of you who are not familiar with the Hartford Rec Center, the, the press box is in a gondola, 
that dangles over the players. You have to bench. climb up. Sta- you have to climb up a ladder that's exactly. basically on the wall. And it it so, may be renovated by now, but I don't know. No, it's not. Is it the same? Yeah, it's yeah. it's still like it like you're going into a submarine, and so or down a submarine. So I'm up there, and all of a sudden I get my first penalty, and I read it according to the book. And Stewart stops, and he's yelling, "Where's the where's the announcer guy?" Where's and he's yelling to the bench, and they point upstairs. I open up the glass, <laughs> and he says, "This is the way I want you to do it." And he tells me how he wants me to do it. Now, the other, the last thing that's in the book is that you make whatever announcement the referee tells you to do. So there it is. I'm going to follow the book. And it wasn't drastically different. So the next game that we do is opening night at the Utica Auditorium. And I don't remember who they opened against. And, of course, all of the league officials from Springfield's headquarters come into Utica for the very first AHL game in, in Utica at the Odd. And the second game, we got this letter back from the league, and they said, great job, wonderful uh, presentation, glad to have you in the American Hockey League. Please have your announcer announced by the book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you, Stewie. Oof. So that's, that's history. Yeah, it is history. It's amazing. How, was it drastically different? Just a couple of you know words different? Big, oh, no, no. It wasn't drastically different. It was, it was, uh, it was in fact, it was, it was minimal. And, and by today's standards, no different. You know, I mean, uh, I still go exactly by the book because that's the way I'd always done it. But, um, you know, now you get you, if you listen across the league and even across the NHL, there's variations all over the place. Yes, there is. We just do it the way we do it. And it's not easy. Uh, some of those names, you get some of those Scandinavians, some of those yeah. Russian guys. Yeah. You know, it's not easy to get all those names, especially on the first pass. We do, oh, you, you yeah. Know? Well, I mean, I get them, and, and the first thing that I'll do is I'll, I'll show up about two hours before the game and uh, go into the media room with, with the uh, lineup. And if I don't have a pronouncer, I'll go find somebody associated with the club to try and get as best as I can. And, and that's not always easy either because depending upon what the time is, they may be all in the locker room going over, you know, game notes and preparation. Um, but it, it's, it's – some are easier and some are insane. Yeah. Debbie Linen. Even with the pronunciation guys they provide, we screw them up all the oh, time on yeah. pregame. We try our best at – but it is what it is. So it's Utica Comments Insider, and that's what it is. 72 Tavern and Grill with 94.9 K-Rock. There's an app if you want to download that in your app store, whether you got an iPhone or if you have a Droid. Just type in K-R-O-C-K. You can listen that way. Stream at krock.com. Amazon Echo is an option as well. If you happen to have one of those devices, enable the K-Rock Utica. So you're a pro on this. And then you just say, Alexa, play K-Rock Utica. And you can listen. It's all brought to you by IBEW Local Union 43, Hobby Hill Farms, and Pathfinder Bank. Within the last week, the Comets, uh, this past Wednesday, 6-5 overtime win against Hartford. Friday, the 6-3 win over Hartford again. Saturday, the 6-2 win over Cleveland. And today, that tough 4-2 loss on the road in Syracuse. Ah, oh, the Upstate Medical University Arena, which I have to get used to saying. And Belleville got a win earlier today. So it is Utica and Belleville in a dead heat for number one in the AHL North. And we've got them Friday here, Saturday there, after a game Wednesday with the Binghamton Devils, who have been playing a lot better of late. I'm going to give you through 43 games exactly where we stand. I updated the numbers in the division. We're now second. We were first prior to Syracuse game. 54 points, 25 wins, 14-2-2. Two two. Winning percentage of 628. Belleville 
has 54 points also, but he's 643 winning percentage due to the fact that one, they've played one last game. Rochester's yeah, got a game in hand. That's right. Rochester is in third with 48. Toronto has 46. Within the conference, they're fourth now. They were third prior to the Syracuse game today. Uh, they're tied with Belleville for 54 points. Both teams, however, one point behind Hartford and Hershey, who are tied basically first and second with 55 points. Sixth best record overall in the entire American Hockey League. And that's where it stands right now. Penalty kills in 13th place. They've kind of settled back into the middle of the pack, 82.7%. Power play fifth in the league, still pretty strong at 22.5%. But that loss today, initial thoughts on the game from you, Tom. I, um, I hate games that fall out of pattern. You know, it, it, these guys have got a a, uh, uh, a routine and a pattern, yeah. and most of it is a face-off at 7 p.m. or 7.05 or 7.30. And you you mess that up, and uh, it just it just takes you off off balance. Uh, so, you don't it's a wild card. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, they go in there, and, uh, you know, Syracuse is, is a, a tough team. Tough building, too. Right, and it is a tough building. And uh, I don't know what kind of a crowd they had there today um, for for the Monday matinee. Going to find out from Joe at 730. But, um, you know, in a game like that, if you don't get off to a, a quick start, you're on a roller coaster and you just got to hold on and try and get something rolling. And that seemed to be it. When they when they come out of the period number one with, no, no, with nothing on the scoreboard um, and they have a down second period, where they don't generate very much offense. Five shots. Yeah. So uh, it happens in the second period. We've talked about it on air and off air. Yeah. A little bit more often than not, when they seem to struggle, it's in those games that there's a lull in the second period. And that and that's what did them in. It's it's tough to come back in this league period um, and coming back from you know a couple of goals down is is a, a monumental task. They fell short, and there you go. Without Jonah Get, uh, I'm sorry, where were they without today? Uh, Rafferty, Bear Cheese, Breezy, and a number of other injured players. Even Joe Roberts had mentioned during pregame. There's a lot of guys uh, that are in the medical tent, in the MASH unit right now, getting some assistance from the trainers and seeing doctors and things like that. Yeah, and they're banged up, and, and even guys that are out there yeah. are, are playing hurt. You gotta If you take a look at what Aston Sautner did in the last couple of games, and he's still out there, you know that he is aching, and uh, if you're aching, it's it's tough to it's tough to be able to get out there and, and give a full go. Um, so that's part of the difficulty that they're facing at this stage of the game too. Scoop, he had compared it to last year, though. Imagine the injury list this year as compared to last year. This team is so much deeper. They've kind of been able, obviously, based on their record, been able to persevere through that so far. And you're also facing a goaltender, Scott Wedgwood, who you know on the face of it. Coming back from his injury, hasn't played in a while. You think maybe he'll have some rest. He played a pretty good game today. You know, uh, if, if the Comets get on the board in the first when they have 10 shots, maybe this is, you know, a different game because of the momentum. But in that second period, Comets only get five shots. Syracuse have 12, and they get two goals on those 12 shots. And then uh, that third Syracuse goal to put him up 3 nothing in the third, well, that's just it. That's the killer. If you don't allow that, then those two quick goals that the Comets get, you get a tie game instead of trailing by one. Maybe you can do something in the final minutes there. 
It, 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 it just took too long to wake up, and especially that second period with the, just five shots on goal. You, that is not a recipe for success. It is not. Absolutely not. Overall, the 155 goals on the season, they were leading the American Hockey League leading into today. Belleville hopped over them by scoring three. The comments are, are now at that 155 with the two today, tied with Belleville overall. I want to ask about the save of the day week, and that's the lead question we're going to come back with. Obviously, much, much more. We will be joined in our next segment from Canucks Army the one and only Chris Faber. So we're going to throw some questions his way and get a great Vancouver perspective on the Utica Comets. All next on 94.9 K-Rock. Utica! It's time to go top shelf at the 72 Tavern and Grill for Comets Insider. Now back to two guys who have spent more than a little time in the sin bin. It's Rain Man and Scoop. A whole new rash of penalty minutes. Uh, well, we got a whole new attitude. What about them? They're not just bullies. What do you mean just bullies? They scare the bejesus out of everybody. <laughs> Deliberately. Comets Insider. On 94.9 K-Rock. You can listen to Comets Insider on the K-Rock app. You can stream us at krock.com. Your Amazon smart speaker. You enable the K-Rock Utica skill, and you say, Alexa, open the K-Rock Utica skill. Pretty easy peasy. And uh, Then talk- what does she say? Deliberately. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she says, well, actually, you, you, you hear one of us. Oh, okay. Deliberately. She said, I meant to do that. Deliberately. Actually, uh... We have uh, Chris Faber coming up, right? Yeah. We have Tom Coyne here. That was the voice of your PA announcer from the Adirondack Bank Center. Uh, it's Rain and I. And I imagine we'll talk to Chris a little bit about this developing story. I guess the conversation has started between management and Jacob Markstrom about his contract. And he's had a pretty good year. We got to see him play down here. Uh, we- you know, Canucks are doing pretty well. They're on top in their division as well. So we, we chatted about that last week or the week before, how this year it's the conundrum of what to do with the center position. Last year, it was the great goalie debacle yeah, yeah. where the, the organizationally it just fell apart. They don't have those problems no. anymore. They're, they're pretty deep, and yeah, it's, it's impressive what they have. I mean, they've got, you got three sitting here. Nobody... Nobody worries a bit if you go, oh, Richard Bachman's going to get a start today. Nobody would worry about that. Yeah. You'd be perfectly fine with that. That's a nice problem to have down here. I thought that might have actually happened today. I thought that might be an option. but Yeah, yeah, it would have been, it would have been a game to, to give, him, uh, give him a start. Your takeaways from Save of the Day Week. That's what I want to hear about. Because, yeah, th- there's everything that's on UticaComets.com. And there's everything that's on... Social media, mm-hmm. but I'd love to get your takeaways, and then we're going to get to Chris Favor on the phone. Well, I'll give it to you brief then. Yeah, and yeah. that is that to me the save of the day. It, there's a history that I don't think that the average fan might necessarily identify, uh, and that is that that the efforts on the part of of, of Rob Ash at, through the save of the day goes back predates. Utica Comets hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, something that he's been going on. He was firmly committed to. I remember him sitting in, in my office uh, when I was at, at WKTV uh, going, this is now we're going back uh, maybe 10 years ago, better than that. And he was setting up for um, a, a softball game that he was having at Murnane with uh, some of his NHL buddies. Uh, and then, of course, the three exhibition games that they held here, those were all save-of-the-day events. Mm-hmm. He was already had this ball rolling. And, and 
it's a part of his own personal commitment within the community, uh, kind of giving back even before the community started giving to him. Uh, in the form of of what they've supported in this building and what they supported with the with the two teams that operate out of this building, and so it, it's just a great thing to see the people rally to it because they've been rallying to the people of this area for a long time, even before we had AHL returns to the Mohawk Valley. Boy, I tell you what, Chris, you got to come down and watch a game at the Adirondack Bank Center. How do we get you down to Utica? And uh, what's the perspective today for Vancouver on the Comets following this 4-2 to loss to the Syracuse Crunch? Yeah, I think that a lot of people are actually focused in on this one because uh, obviously the NHL is during their all-star break right now. Um, and I, I do need to make my way out there. I think I might have to wait because I know you guys' winters are pretty rough over there, aren't they? It hasn't been fun it's, the last couple of days. Weekend was pretty rough today. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I think it's. It, it feels like it's about negative twenty walking in here tonight. It was. It was one of those brisk walks from the car all fifty feet of it because you're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely cold right now. Jonah Gadjevich had one today, Chris, and uh, so did Reed Boucher with his twenty fourth overall impressions on the game and that lull in the second period specifically, where they only had five shots, echoing what happened against Hartford the other night in the second period where they ended up with one shot. Yeah, I think there, there definitely was a lull. I mean, not as much for the Syracuse crunch, which is too bad to see. But, um, you know, the, the game kind of slowed down a little bit for me quite a bit. I mean, especially over the games that we've seen over the past little bit. Uh, the, the interesting thing was it, it seemed like they, and I know, I think Joe Roberts mentioned it a bunch of times on the broadcast. I know they were shooting at Wedgwood's glove side quite a bit. But uh, looking at the game after, I think they fired 20 shots from the left side and only about seven are from the right side of the ice. So I found that kind of interesting as well. I don't know if they were trying to force it maybe a little bit too much or just that was something that, you know, sometimes you hear about a game plan and sometimes you just overthink it when, you know, this team is good enough to just get pucks on net. They're going to score their goals that way. Well, I, I sort of alluded to the question I was going to ask you, so let's uh, get it out there on the table. The contract talks with uh, Jacob Markstrom. What are you hearing? Obviously, it sounds like Markstrom wants to be there and the Canucks want to keep him. Yeah, they absolutely do. Uh, he's probably going to be their MVP this year, which is so so insane to think about if you look at some of the players that this team has, like Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser and Quinn Hughes, the stuff that he's doing. You know, Jacob Markstrom is the MVP to this team up to this point in the season, and if he continues on as the MVP for the second half of the season, there's no way they can let him go and just let him walk in free agency. But, you know, there's this conversation, is it's so funny because there's, this is such a long conversation that needs to be had, and there's so much that needs to be seen in the next little bit here to see what the actual future looks like because, yeah, his contract is up at the end of this year, and they're going to have to make a decision on July before July 1st before he hits free agency. But Thatcher Demko, like a, a lot of people wanted to see him play some more games. They, a lot of people are hoping to see maybe 30 games out of him this year. And if they keep kind of running at this pace, we probably won't see that unless they can really secure a playoff spot or really fall out of a playoff spot. But that brings up Mikey DiPietro, right? Because if you're running with your goaltender situation in the future of the NHL with a Thatcher Demko who's developing into a starter and a Mikey DiPietro right behind him, that's, that's an exciting pairing to have. That's a really exciting young pairing to see develop. But then you look at the core of the Vancouver Canucks, and they're so young, so it makes sense to run with Demko and DiPietro. But if, if management is, is certain on making the playoffs and making their Stanley Cup run over the next couple of years, you probably want to go with the established starter in Jacob Marstrom, and, and that's yeah, that's kind of all the talk around Vancouver over the past week here is something about Jacob Markstrom's contract because it's in, every, it's in the back of everyone's minds. And uh, this team's number one in the Pacific Division going into the All-Star break. So if you have a goaltender that's put you into that spot, you probably want to extend them. 
It's a pretty solid organization right now. It is Utica Comets Insider from the 72 Tavern and Grill with 94.9 K-Rock. Chris Faber with Canucks Armies online with us. I wonder how long you go with somebody like Jacob Mar- Markstrom, Tom. Well, I, I, I think that Chris's point is, is right because what you, what you have is, and it's ironic because you're, we're kind of back to where they were a little while ago, and that is that you, do you go with the here and now, which would be Jacob Markstrom, a guy with more, more of a track record and more experience at the NHL level, or do you go with the future, which is Demko and, and DiPietro? And either way, it's a wonderful position to begin because if you do decide that somebody's going to go out, you have a great asset to be able to acquire some talent and and bring that in, uh, even if it's in the form of some draft picks uh, and and an established player to help out with some of the shortages. But I wanted to ask Chris about another name that we haven't really heard all that much about, but it's a name that could have a bearing on what might happen in Utica a little bit down the line, and that's Nikita Triamkin, the big Russian defenseman who's playing uh, uh, back in in Russia and. There's been some talk, and I didn't get a chance to listen to everything that was coming out of the Vancouver media today, but his name did come up. And uh, just what's your understanding of where he may be at? And is it possible that if he agrees to it, maybe we see him at the A? Or if not, he goes up there and somebody up who's in a, in a, a Vancouver D slot now ends up back down here. Yeah, absolutely. There was sort of, uh, if you guys follow EliteProspects.com, obviously a great website to check out uh, anything about prospects or AHL coverage. They do a great job there. And, and they released a rumor that, uh, that uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce the Russian team. I think it's like Av- Avtomobilist or something like that. They, uh, they transferred. There was a rumor that he transferred to the Vancouver Canucks organization. But uh, Todd Diamond, uh, Nikita Trianka's agent, was on TSN radio this past weekend here. And he mentioned that uh, he that Nikita Triankin just doesn't want to come over and play in the AHL. It's it's as simple as that. He he believes that he's good enough to come over here and jump into the NHL and play games because that was the problem last time that Triankin was here in North America. Is he wasn't getting enough time in the NHL level, and his agent and his group and his surroundings around Triankin believe that he's good enough to play in the NHL and he's good enough to make an impact right now, which is too bad because I really think that there's a huge adjustment that needs to be made, whether you're coming over from the KHL, the SHL, the Finnish Liga. Like, there's a huge adjustment just coming over and playing in North American-sized rinks. And whether it's, you know, a five-game conditioning stint in the AHL or just learning that game, I think it would be super, super impactful for Triamkin's career if he were to just take a little bit of a run in Utica. And I'm sure you guys would love to see a six-foot-nine guy like skating around the ice. It's a blast to watch him play. And Canucks fans are huge, huge fans of him. I go back to when Bo Horvath started out, and he was here in Utica mm. on a conditioning right off the bat, and I can't help but believe that that helped out, just getting himself acclimated to the speed of the game, getting him acclimated to the angles that he was going to face. Without a doubt. And and if for especially for a guy like Triumkin coming over from uh, the bigger slabs of ice and, and – Quite frankly, he would face a greater level of competition in the A than he does in the K. Yep. Without a doubt, and and Great without point. getting, yep. you know, getting into uh, situations of getting caught up and getting maybe down for not being really ready for the NHL. No matter what you might think or your agent might think. Chris Faber's on the phone with us from Canucks Army here on Utica Comets Insider with ninety four point nine K Rock. Chris, I got thirty seconds, but how close is the CCM AHL Player of the Week, Justin Bailey? based on his three hat tricks in what four the last five games now five games. overall uh, how close is he to getting getting a chance to show what he's got up there 
Yeah, I think it was incredible that Jim Benning was down there to see his first hat trick. And the pass that he made today, that's an NHL play right there. That's a, that's a great yeah. job. And the fact that he's got nine power play goals is, is so impressive. I think the Canucks could possibly use him in a second unit that the second unit in Vancouver right now just loves to get the puck on net. And it seems like Justin Bailey's the type of guy that loves to be around the net when the puck's going on. So, I mean, he's a great guy to see adjusting to that role. And, and I think that we will get to see an opportunity for him in the future, especially if he can, continues on this hot streak, which is sort of starting to become the norm a little bit. It seems like Justin Bailey's figuring it all out. That's Chris Faber, uh, name we're getting you used to, Comets fans. You'll be hearing a lot more of him. Thanks for the contributions tonight. And from Canucks Army as well, Corey Hergott will join us in our next segment. or our, Not our next segment, the following segment, because we have the voice, Joe Roberts, father as of tomorrow. That's next on 94.9 K-Rock. Utica. Let's do that hockey. Utica Comets Insider. Live from the 72 Tavern and Grill on 94.9 K-Rock. And now our Comets Insider grind line with Rain Man the Rocket. Scoop the Cement Head. And play-by-play voice, Joe Cujo Roberts. Joe had the call today from Syracuse on an MLK Day matinee from the Upstate Medical University Arena ended up here in game five of the planet or excuse me of the Galaxy Cup a loss four to two for the Utica Comets I've got a highlight montage set and ready to go and we'll talk to Joe about it on the other side so let's hit it and now Syracuse come ahead through center Sampi over the line right wing side slows down backdoor big save by McIntyre as Dennis Yan at a point blank opportunity denied by Zane McIntyre what a save six minutes into the hockey game and up in front of that Comets team bench where Banks kicks it along and now stepping up Tevez he and Yan dust it up and now the gloves coming down Josh Tevez and Dennis Yan as Tevez is knocked to a knee back to his feet throwing a right and down they go at center the rookie Josh Tevez peels the glove with gloves with Dennis Yan 13-01 to go here in the second period and Josh Tevez making sure that he won't get pushed around without a bit of a response puts Banks in a headlock and then wrestles him down to the ice and somehow that's not a penalty in front they score Jonah Gadjevich chips it over the line beating Wedgwood it was sent his way the Comets get on the board Gadjevich gets the Comets on the board Cole in trying to get the draw back the Comets to the power play here for the fifth time tonight they're 0 for 4 on the man up they set up with Boucher right side Ulevi controls over to Goldobin back for Ulevi Goldie space Ulevi, one-timer, fan on it, slow down, Bailey, backdoor, scores, Boucher! What a feed by Justin Bailey, and Boucher is able to punch it home, making it 3-2. to two. And the man who called all those highlights today in the unfortunate 4-2 loss to the Syracuse Crunch, Joe Roberts, is online. Say hello, and Tom is coming your way with a question. How are you, Joe? Hey guys, uh, yeah, it was uh, kind of a weird, weird work day, but you know what? Uh, uh, not a bad one. If you told me I could do a couple more of those one o'clock matinees, I don't think I'd hate it. Well, let me ask you this: We were talking earlier. We all have internal clocks, and it's my understanding, based upon uh, anticipated events, your internal clock is about to be totally reset come tomorrow. <laughs> Trust me. Um, <laughs> But do you feel that there's any element associated with with getting off to the 
to the slow start that the club did today with a 1 p.m. face-off. And, and, I mean, not it, it's late in the third period before they finally break through. How much of, of being broken out of that nighttime face-off routine uh, may play a factor in these kind of matinees? I don't know. I mean, it, it, it'd be like playing, uh, you know, a Sunday game. Sunday games are usually 3, 4 o'clock or whatever. But uh, I think maybe it threw it off a touch, and I think you could probably attribute some of the slow start to it. But when it boils down to it, if you look at the amount of hockey that's been played over the last couple of days, right, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Monday, that's four games in five, five four, six, I think the math lines up as – that's a lot of hockey to be played without uh, much time to really rest your body and get it back uh, sort of to, to uh, true north. So I think it, it was probably a combination of a number of things. Um, I don't know if you could write it off entirely in that, uh, but I think that there, there might be a little bit of merit to that as far as, uh, uh, you know, uh, an early start like that being part of the reason for a, a slow sort of um, hit off the drop of the puck. You know, I, I do wonder if that has something to do with the Comets getting kind of caught in transition maybe a little bit more often and giving up the odd man rushes because certainly that was something that happened today. Well, I think the odd man rushes uh, were created because of a couple of times uh, the puck was not really sitting as flat as guys maybe would have wanted to or maybe simply mishandling the puck uh, in the attacking zone at the line, which uh, turns into – odd man opportunities. I mean, you look at uh, that two on O that turned into a three on O their goal. Ashton Sautner fumbled the puck in his own line um, and it gave them a chance. There were a couple more uh, when the comments had a power play. I think there was a power play where Syracuse had two, two on one opportunities. And I think both of those stemmed from uh, sort of just mishandling the puck at the blue line. So uh, you always have to keep in mind that, that uh, when you're handling the puck there, it's a pretty dangerous place for the puck to be in your stick. Cause if it's poked away from you, it can turn into an opportunity the other way. So um, I think obviously that's something that is going to look to be limited as the week goes on. But uh, when it boils down to it, you know, if you consider this sort of part of, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the start of the next work week, but the comments are coming off a perfect three and a week. Uh, this is a tough game to win for anybody on the road on a Monday uh, with a one o'clock puck drop. So, uh, you know, it, it was a tough one. And the road, they showed a lot of fight to get back into it and even make it a game. Uh, so I think you got to pull some of the positives out of that, too. Serving you sports at the 72 Tavern and Grill, Utica Comets Insider with 94.9 K-Rock. From IBEW Local Union 43, Hobby Hill Farms and Pathfinder Bank, Joel Roberts voiced the comments on the phone with Rain Scoop and Tom Coyne. Scott Wedgwood, who on pregame, Scoop had brought up the fact that it's a guy that over the course of his career in a few different stops has given the Comets some problems from time to time. He seems to have, he, he, you know, he's had a, he wasn't playing his best. It wasn't the best version of Scott Wedgwood we've seen in the past. But he's out for a little while with injury. He comes back. Sharp today. And, and, he, and he had it today. Scott Wedgwood was the Scott Wedgwood that the Utica Comets are used to seeing. It's really that simple. It didn't have much rust. Your impressions of him. Well, he's always a guy that seems to be in the division, right? Uh, you know, if you look at his, some of his past teams that he's played for, he's a guy who always seems to be someone that Utica sees a lot of. I think, um, you know, what was he great? I don't know if he was great, but um, he was pretty damn good for a guy who hadn't played since December 6th. Uh, you know, for a guy who missed a month and a half, he looked sharp. So I think that that was a best-case scenario as far as, 
what kind of performance you're going to get from a guy who hadn't seen the ice in game action since uh, the beginning of December. So I think for all intents and purposes, he and, and the Syracuse staff will consider that start a victory. He's obviously a good netminder. He's going to give Syracuse a chance to win just about any time he suits up. And let's face it, I mean, this Syracuse team is a lot better than the record shows right now. Um, they have a lot of talent still. And if at any point in time they do make a couple moves that aren't merely paper transactions, they can get a lot better in a hurry as well. Um, so I, I think it's a team that while they are sort of struggling in the standings based on what we're used to seeing from this uh, Syracuse Crunch organization, they are not a team to be taken lightly. And uh, the remaining matches down the stretch with these two teams are, are going to yield some pretty important results, I think, as uh, things progress into you know February, March, and April. You know, uh, one of the things that we were talking about earlier on, and I understand full well uh, how the the game is played with regard to the answer to my question. So let's get to the question. Walking wounded, uh, did the guys come out of this game any more banged up than they had been going in? Guys like Sautner has been just taking a lot of hits. Even even Banks uh, giving up the body to block shots. And you come away from that, and that aches and pains, and that doesn't help out the matter. Yeah, I don't know if there's, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the injury report looks like. Obviously, there was nobody who left the game tonight so uh, or today, so that is a reason to be optimistic. But I, I sort of joked uh, with Rain and Scoop during the pregame show. They were going through the list of scratches, and they were rattling off the injured players, you know, Berchi, Rafferty, Perron, Hamilton, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you're missing some big pieces to this whole puzzle as Utica tries to build itself into a contender this season, yet at no point in time do you think they're incapable of winning a game. And I think that describes or defines the way this team is built uh, um, compared to last year, for example, which is really my only uh, firsthand experience with the organization watching a full season. I don't know if last year's team gets out of this sort of, uh, you know, span with all the injuries uh, almost unscathed like this one is. So it's so deep. There's so many different layers to this team and so many guys who are capable and willing to step up that uh, it doesn't really freak you out as much when you look at that sort of laundry list of injuries that are that are looming. Joe, all the best to you, your wife, and your dog as of tomorrow at best two, of luck. 2 o'clock when the greatest thing that has ever happened in your life will happen to you and your pending fatherhood. Thanks for the time tonight, and uh, blessings to you guys, okay? Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it, as always. Coming up next, we have Corey Herga, Comets Corey from Canucks Army. He'll join us on Utica Comets Insider, live from the 72 Tavern and Grill with 94.9 K-Rock. And now our Comets Insider grind line with Rain Man the Rocket and Scoop the Cement Head. Well, at least we're still tied for first place with Belleville, and we're going to get two cracks at them this weekend, Friday and Saturday. And I mentioned Binghamton coming up. Wednesday, how they've been playing better. They lost their last two, one of which was to Syracuse, a team that we lost to today. Yep. But they'd won like eight straight prior to the last two. So they're like eight and two over the last ten. Yep. They are playing a little bit better. I think we talked about them at the very beginning, how, that yeah, they have definitely turned a corner. It's not, the, it's not the same team it was in the beginning of the season. It's not even close. 
scoop our friend Corey Hergotz online from Canucks Army right now. Why don't you throw the first one at him? Corey, welcome, welcome. And I want to ask you, uh, since, you know, you've noticed it, and I wanted to get your thoughts of uh, this Malone-Stevens Gadjevich line, which we saw the other night, and then uh, we saw Malone, Stevens, and Pope. And they seem to get in there and be able to stir some things up and be a difficult chore for other teams to handle. Yeah, the uh, those uh, Stevens and, and uh, Malone particularly seem to be playing well together. They they both get hard in on the forecheck, and I think that uh, goes a long way in today's game. Uh, if you don't have the puck, you need to get it back awfully quick, and uh, those two seem to be... Uh, you know, pretty keen on that aspect of the game. And, uh, you know, Malone, not being a very big guy, uh, he does a really good job of, uh, you know, going to those dirty areas and, uh, you know, fishing pucks out and retrieving pucks. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, the size thing kind of has bitten him a few times injury-wise. But, you know, today we saw him get uh, clobbered with a pretty big hit and he bounced right back up and back into the play. So I think it's just uh, those guys are, have got a little bit of confidence in their game right now and they, they found a little bit of a niche that seems to be working well for them and the coaching staff has some trust there. Tom? Uh, I was just going to ask uh, about a couple of other uh, guys, but but more importantly, how long it seems as though the loss in, of... of Rafferty has not really impacted the club on the blue line as much. I mean, great defense, offensive uh, defenseman, but they haven't really seemed to, to have taken that big of a hit. Uh, you're going to want the guy, that guy of that quality in your lineup, but it hasn't really diminished their defensive effort so far. What, have, what your thoughts might be on that? Well, that's just uh, kind of goes to the depth that the team has now at, uh, at a lot of the different positions, maybe aside from center ice. Uh, you know, earlier in the year, we saw Ole Levy was kind of running the first power play unit and, uh, you know, he was picking up his points and Brogan was kind of chugging along and, and not really piling up the points. Um, once you Levy, you know, he had to go get his hip checked out and he missed a handful of games there and Rafferty kind of took over on that first power play unit and the points picked up for him. And I think his offensive game really kind of took off from there. And, and now with him out, it's a reversal and Yule Levy stepping back in. And, you know, he's piling up the points here in his last uh, bunch of games. So it's nice that when one guy is either faltering uh, because he's not maybe playing as well as he could, or if a guy's injured and out of the lineup, that there's somebody else there that can kind of step in and, and backfill. And, you know, if this team ever actually gets into the playoffs and are healthy, when they get there, uh, this could be a pretty scary crew. They could be a real handful uh, to try to, you know, take down in a playoff series. This Comets, Corey. Corey Hergott with Canucks Army covered his 200th Utica Comets game, the same number that Trent Call has coached for this team. I wanted to recognize once again here on Comets Insider those two milestones, serving you sports at the 72 Tavern and Grill, 7 to 8 every Monday. That's when Scoop, myself, tonight we're joined by Tom Coyne, Generally, we have a player, but on a game day, that is an exception to the rule. I wanted to mention a player, though, by the name of Vinny Arsenault. We were just having a conversation o- about him. He had served the one-game suspension. Tom said he was he was unconscious, and we have to assume you haven't heard that. They're not going to come right out and tell you, but there's probably a concussion injury, uh, concussion lingering. So he serves the suspension, not in the lineup today. It might be a handful of games before you see him 
everybody responds a little bit differently yeah. to to a concussion. We know this well documented. Um, what did you see with that? What are your thoughts on that? What is his loss to the lineup going to mean, Corey? Well, the, the Comets don't have uh, an overly physical lineup when you take, uh, you know, guys like Dyson Stevenson and, and Vinny Arsenault out. Like, I mean, they do have, uh, you know, Jonah Gajevich can, can dish out the hits. And they've got Mitch Elliott's been playing some physical games. They do have some guys that can, uh, you know, throw the body a little bit. But uh, a guy like uh, Vincent Arsenault, uh, if he's not the uh, hit of the game every game, it's it's just about every other game at least. That guy's he's a human bowling ball out there. And uh, the team does miss that. I, I think uh, it was an ill-advised fight for him to take. There was eight seconds left in the game. Uh, it just, I don't think it was great timing on his part, unfortunately, and uh, it ended up uh, costing him now. So I, I, I really like the guy as a player. I think he brings a lot to the table to the team. So, you know, fingers crossed this isn't going to be a lingering issue for him because of, with the type of game that he plays, uh, you know, you don't want to be bouncing that brain around any more than you have to. 20 seconds left here for you, Corey. What have you thought of Razor Ray Biggs so far jumping on with the soon-to-be father, Joe Roberts? Oh, I'm a huge fan of Joe Roberts on the broadcast. He's a very, very entertaining guy. And, and having a, another guy there with him doing some color, and, and Ray's got all those good facts that he's bringing to the table as well. It's a really cool dynamic. Uh, I kind of wish that we could see that going, uh, continuing going forward the rest of the way. I, I really like having two guys in the booth there. And, and uh, you know, you get a little bit more of the talk of the game as it's going on as well. And, and I, I really, really enjoy the dynamic between those two. We always appreciate your contributions. Thanks again to you, Corey. And, of course, man, Chris Faber continues to crush it. Thanks for uh, bringing him into into our world so we could get into him. the fold yeah into the fold so we could get him out there as well your coverage of the team from vancouver both of you outstanding and much appreciated have a great rest of your night we'll talk to you next monday if not beforehand real quick last comments from anybody going around the table before we get out of here for the night uh, i just think we're seeing nice progression from ole ulevi and lucas yasek i know it's probably not where folks in vancouver want it to be yet because Gosh, we only want everything all the time right now. But I think we're, we're starting to see the growth in both those guys and positive growth that we've wanted to see. I think that uh, fans should take note that we're getting into the early stages of the nitty-gritty. Yeah, uh, We're down now into uh, the latter part of the month of January, for heaven's sake. And uh, there really aren't as many home games left on the schedule as you might anticipate take a look at it you'll see that they're you know not much better than a, than a dozen or so left we're past the halfway point right. of the season time go ahead and, and and we're in the thick of it and there's a lot of other good hockey clubs out there and one of them is going to be coming to visit us uh, twice this week so or other once this week so it's very uh, important and there's the long-term rivalry that goes back to the old AHL and even be beyond uh, with uh, a team playing out of Binghamton coming into the house. So we got some fun times coming up, and it's really worth it to, to if you haven't been there yet in a while, get out there. And This is a good hockey team. It's an offensively strong hockey team, very well balanced, and even with the, the big hitters out of the lineup, they still play a very physical brand of hockey. So uh, this, is, this is fun time for a hockey fan. Wednesday, Binghamton is at the Adirondack Bank Center. Then it's a home and away against Belleville Friday. And Saturday, 
I just want to leave you with this thought. Congratulations once again to Justin Bailey, CCM AHL Player of the Week. And they only accounted for two of his three hat tricks in right. giving that award out. That's how amazing he's been. Podcast will be available. There'll be a link at KROC CNY, at KROC Scoop, and at KROC Rain. Or you can find it in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Check Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It'll be posted everywhere if you want to give that a listen. That's courtesy of Matt, the glue guy, and Tiffany back in the studio. Thanks to Tom Coyne. Scoop always gets the last word from the 72 Tavern with 94.9 K-Rock. Go Comets!